Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships, especially after 40. And today I am excited to be speaking with author and therapist Dr. Dane here about the dangers of the alpha male mentality. This is a fascinating topic. I can't wait to dive into it. But first I want to just share that for the past 11 years, I have been a love coach. I have focused mostly on empowering women to find the love that they're seeking after 40, 50, 60, 70 and beyond And many of those women have found love because they began with self-love. They began with the work of being a woman of value. And I call that the woman of value movement. And I am growing this movement into the workplace. Um, My website should be live very soon. I have a whole new podcast coming about women who found their value and stepped into their value at some pivotal moment in their life. So I will be announcing that when it comes up. And um, I just, to me, this is the essence of who we are as women, that we have to find our empowerment without being overbearing, but with being loving and warm and kind, setting kind boundaries, speaking up, communicating with grace. And actually, this week's tip on how to be a woman of value is to be aware of your tone. This used to be a huge issue for me. I was not at all aware of how my tone sounded, especially when I spoke to my children. So I wasn't yelling at them. I was just really pissed off. So everything I said came out with a little snippy anger, but I wasn't raising my voice, so I thought I was cool. And then my kids called me on it. They were like, Mom, your tone of voice is terrible. And then I'd be like, I'm disciplining you. How dare you tell me my tone of voice is terrible? So they really were my best teachers. And now not only do I have the awareness of how I have to center myself before I speak up about something, but I also teach it. So For today, your assignment is to be conscious of the tone of voice that you use, especially if you're upset. Really try to center yourself, take some breaths, take the time you need to cool off before you speak up because your success at that conversation is going to be so much better. And uh, before I bring Dane here on, I just want to give a shout out to, um, I have this beautiful membership program called the Women of Value Club, and we meet month to month and discuss topics relevant to women who are dating after 40 and want to retain their value. And so every month we have a one-hour topic-based call on Zoom, so it's off Facebook, but we also have a Facebook group for support. There are exercises and articles to support each topic, so it's, it's a very highly individualized program, and um, it's ongoing. So next week is our monthly February call, and we'll be talking about managing your expectations, which is a huge issue for people, how to manage your expectations when you're dating and in relationships. So if you'd like to join us or find out more, go to lastforstate.com and hit the group coaching tab. It's actually an icon right on the homepage or in the menu, and you'll find out more. And now for our guest 
today, Dr. Dane here. He is a best-selling author. He is an internationally renowned speaker and the co-creator and leading facilitator of Access Consciousness. That's a personal development modality, and it's available in more than 170 countries that has contributed to changing the lives of tens of thousands of people. That's awesome. He draws upon his personal background and unique perspectives to facilitate positive change in the world and to empower people from every culture, country, age, and social, social strata to create the life that they desire. So join me now for episode number 343, The Dangers of the Alpha Male Mentality with Dr. Dane here. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dane. Sandy, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So let's get into it. Um, let's talk about the book that you just wrote about, it's called The the return of the gentleman, creating nurturing connections by embracing the authentic you. I have a copy right here in my hands. And um, if you can share with our audience why you wrote this book, like was there something in your life that, that inspired you to write this? This is, you know, the the relationships <clears throat> between men and women, but also men with themselves and women with themselves have been a topic of interest for me you know, from the time I was a little kid, because my parents got divorced. Um, I was an only child. I lived primarily with my mom and she was always my best friend. And, you know, so I had these different points of view on relationship just from that and some of the other dynamics that I had growing up. But what happened is uh, fast forward to, I guess, about three years ago now, I'd been doing access consciousness, helping co-create these different tools to give people more success in their relationships uh, their financial lives, their, their sense of self. And I was at one of the events, and a 23-year-old guy who is a good friend of mine and had been a good friend at that point turns to me and he says, I just want to say thank you. And I was like, for what? He said, well, he's like, I have searched, ever since I could search the Internet, I searched for how to be a good man. He said, and the only thing that I found out there was how to get women in bed, or how to pretend to be something you're not so people will like you. And I never found anything that showed me that being me was actually the gift and finding out what was true for me is the gift, he said. And in hanging out around you and Gary, the founder of Access Consciousness, for the last two years, he's like, I really know now that I can be everything that I am. And I was like, wow. And he pointed out several of the other young guys that were in that workshop. And, you know, our, our dynamic or our demographic and access, you know, we have, we have a lot of, of women that come to the classes and then some courageous men that show up too. And so I, I asked them, I said, so, you know, have you looked online? And every one of them was like, yes, I have. And I found nothing, but I found what I was looking for here. And I was like, wow, if we have that situation for the young men in the world right now, we need to start having a different conversation. So I wrote Return of the Gentleman. What I did was I, I created a series of Zooms that men could attend and then women could watch after because I, uh, I wanted the men to have a safe space to bring up whatever they uniquely had to discuss. And it was interesting because after these Zooms, I would have men send me emails saying, thank you so much. I feel like I get to be the person that I always was again, and I'm in so much less judgment of me, and I realize that the struggle I'm going through as one of these sensitive, aware men that wants to be kind to women, I'm not alone in that there are guys that are actually doing this, and they're actually creating success in their lives by being them. 
And then I had women who said, you know, I had, I had my husband watch your Zooms and I'm starting to get the man back that I married. I don't know where he went, but he was the most amazing person. And somehow in doing relationship, we both kind of lost ourselves. And then the ladies would say, thank you, because I have a sense of the struggle that men go through now. And I'm making my partner wrong, much less. I'm making my boy children wrong, much less, because I actually understand their side. And it's also given me a lot of tools that I need to have a different conversation with them, but also with myself. Mm. Wow. So, so, so much you just shared <laughs> from your childhood <laughs> to today. Um, but it's, that's what plants the seeds. It's like you're, you're interested in relationships. You came from a divorced set of parents. And, and then by doing this other work out in the world, you started to see how you were influencing people, especially men. And I, and I think that it's such a, an incredible gift because so many men don't have a safe space and they don't have the ability to express emotion and feel validated and um, good about themselves. And women consistently don't understand men. We, we all see each other through our own lens. And that's, yes. that's something that I, I also have a lot of passion about is, is really helping people see like women are not the same as men. Um, and in fact, we are all, we all function differently. You know, we all have to really get curious about each other. Um, I absolutely agree with you. And I, yeah. I mean, what a, what a gift. If people could just get that, the curiosity with each other rather than making the other person wrong because they don't function like you. Mhm. That yeah. that would be such a great gift in all of our relationships, but also for ourselves. Mhm. And even, I mean, I'll tell you that I have a daughter who has ADD, and I do not have ADD. So, judging somebody who has ADD through your lens can make you really resentful. Can make you judge their behavior as being disregarding, judge, you know, um, self-centered because they forgot to close the front door when they went out in the wintertime and, you know, left everything open and dumped their bags on the floor and they came home from school. And the truth is that I started to learn, like, she doesn't see that or she doesn't live at home anymore. She's 24. But she, she would come home, dump her, dump her, keep walking. And I'd be like, don't you see that you just left the back? No, <laughs> she, she actually did not see it. <laughs> and yes, quite literally did too. not see it. She did yes. not, right. Men who are single task oriented will come into a space, leave a towel on the floor, and absolutely not see it. Um, so they're not doing it to piss their wife off. They are just not aware. And so we, we have to raise consciousness. So I, I love that you're doing this. Thank you. And I will say you also have a guest on right now with massive ADHD. So, you know, if I complete one sentence, I'm very proud of myself without going on to another topic. I'm like, yay, good job. Way to go. <laughs> well, they're a gift to ADD, too. It's an interesting conversation. You just might end up someplace else than where you started from. True story. Um, yes. <laughs> so let's talk about men today. And we're living in really interesting times. And so uh, this whole thing with consent and the whole Me Too movement and I think that in many ways we've gone to the opposite extreme where men are afraid to make a move without consent. Can I kiss you? Is it okay? Um, so can you talk to that, like the, the whole consent piece and what, what happened to men? 
Well, you know, let's look at, you know, I like to um, speak to the age-old philosophical question, if a tree falls in the forest, is a man still wrong? And the answer, of course, is yes. You know, <laughs> it's like, and, you know, and this is what, this is the day and age we're living in, especially now, where, because you have to realize there are, I hate to generalize, but I'm going to in this particular case, because there, there tend to be basically two types of men. There tend to be the men that are the the stereotypical alpha male, quote unquote, you know, where it's like my way or the highway and they enforce everything with force. And then there are this whole other huge group of men that feel disenfranchised from everything going on. They're, they're like, I can't believe people would do this to another person, you know, if we're talking about abuse, molestation, all that sort of stuff. And they're wondering how they're somehow wrong for being a man at this point. And so that, you know, when you talk about consent, it's like, men are so confused at this point. It's like they have no idea who they are. And the gender roles have changed so dynamically in the last 50 years um, to where, you know, women, women have a lot of, a lot of places where they can go, you know, and, and, you know, speaking to you is one of them, you know, which is, I'm grateful that exists. Men have far fewer because men have, have traditionally not been allowed to show feelings, not been allowed to show emotions and so you'll have the men that really do desire to be kind to women, do desire to contribute to them, who like them, who are attracted to them, who would also like to have sex with them. And pardon me, if you can hear my doorbell, it's the Adams family, so it might be ringing right now. I apologize. Um, I and so there's, oh, good, there's my ADHD again, though. Um, and so <laughs> there are all these men who, who have no sense of how do I be? And then like you were pointing out, it's like, you know, you'll want, you'll be attracted to the guy that is the quote unquote alpha male because he seems like he has a sense of strength, which you don't also realize is he has a sense of, of egotisticalness that's off the charts. Uh, you know, a sense of self entitlement that's off the charts and you are not a value in his life. Only he is. And so, and then you find this other guy that's really kind, that's really caring that by the way, would actually be really good in bed because he really aims to please but he gets put into the friend category and you're like, well, I'm not attracted to him. Why are you not attracted to him? Because he doesn't have enough judgment of you. And we've learned that somehow the most attractive person is the one who has judgments of us or our body. And if we can get them to love us, then we finally succeed it. It's a, it's a crazy world. So in this thing of consent, you have to realize the type of person you're dealing with and realize the typical alpha male won't really even ask for consent often. They will just assume that, of course, you want to be with them in whatever way they decided they want to be with you. And yet, the, for most women, the more fulfilling experience comes from the guy that they would never even consider had value, the no count of the world, basically. And so we need to, we need to change our lens a bit. We need to widen our scope of what we're actually looking for, because men, as men, you know, we have all of these stereotypes. Well, as women, we do too, as I say we, as though I am one, maybe I am, who knows? <laughs> um, but, you know, women do also for themselves, but they also have the stereotype of the man they're supposed to be attracted to. And we need to get underneath that first before we can actually start having a conversation about what we would actually like. Because from my point of view, the person you would actually like to be with in whatever situation is somebody who is caring for you, somebody who's kind to you, somebody who contributes to you, 
and somebody who values you instead of judges you. And with all the stereotypes we have going on, we're, we're a far way from that, unfortunately. And, you know, you and I were, were joking, you know, before the show started, you know, where, where you were talking about how this thing about the, the men that women are attracted to, and then they don't tend to be attracted to the one that gets put in the friend zone. And I said, yeah, all they need is a perfect man. And this idea that mm-hmm. we're going to find a perfect person is one of the killers for creating truly fulfilling relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, um, I mean, attraction runs very deep, and it isn't simple to just say, okay, now I'm going to be attracted to men who feel less attractive to me. So it's a process. And um, I agree with you. One of the main things I do as a dating coach is to help women look at their type, which hasn't worked for them. Otherwise, they'd still be with that person. Um, And to be open to this surprise package that, true love comes in because it, it almost often comes in a surprise package. And I, I see countless times, both in my client base and also in, in the groups that I run, that a woman will come in saying, I need somebody who's white collar, who's got a higher degree of education than I do, who is super, you know, C-suite, you know, just all these requirements and ends up with a blue-collar guy who smokes, never thought she'd be attracted to a smoker. Um, like a lot of things that you realize that a lot of things just go out the window when you find the right match. And But you have to be open, and you have to also look at yourself, and a lot of people don't want to look within. So how yes. do you suggest people start this process? Because it's not simple. It's not just saying just change what you're attracted to. Well, you are absolutely correct. And, and well, so one of the conversations that I have with people is, is if we look at what we call attraction or passion, you know, when you see somebody across a crowded room and you must have them and they must have you and you may go Mm -hmm. home and have wild, passionate sex. And, you know, the meaning of the word passion, interestingly enough, is actually Christ tacked up on the cross. If you want to know what passion truly means, watch if you can stomach it. Bring a bring a barf bag. But the movie The Passion of the Christ is basically the description of what passion means, which is basically ultimate suffering. And that's what we tend to create when we go on that gut instinct for this is the person I find attractive. So this this the judgments we have of what is attractive, the projections we have of what is attractive are one of the things that's killing us. And so if we can recognize that, have that there, you know, as, as part of the conversation, but then if we start looking and going, okay, um, so two other things beyond that then is to realize that most of the points of view we have about who's attractive are things we've been handed by society, things we were handed Mm -hmm. by our parents, things we were handed by our friends when we grew up. And so one of the things that, because we have in the return of the gentleman book, there's literally this clearing statement where you can change these points of view in real time using this one sentence thing. Um, But in the absence of that, what what I suggest doing is having ladies write down what do I find attractive in a man and then what points of view about what I can be and can't be in relationship did I buy from my mom, did I buy from my dad, and the three other most influential people in your life and then look through all of those and see which ones do not seem to apply to you and scratch them out because in so doing, what you're going to do is start to give yourself the awareness of, wait a minute, 
this is not my point of view. This is my mom's point of view. It's how my mom felt about my dad. And I'm, I'm continuously recreating the same kind of relationship. And then what you want to do is realize what's true for you always makes you lighter. A lie always makes you heavier. So when you, let's say you have on there, you know, I want a man to provide for me. Well, back in the day when, you know, when your parents got together, that was a valid thing. And you may still desire it. That's fine. But when it's your point of view, you can actually create it. If you're trying to create your relationship from somebody else's point of view and from what was valuable to somebody else 50 years ago, it's going to be very challenging to create because the world has changed, you've changed. And so what we need to do is actually get in touch with what's true for us. So if you have that and you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make me lighter when I think about it, you scratch it off and then you go, if I were truly being me, what would I choose? And if I were truly being the person I know I can be, what would I choose? And you start to basically create your own antidote to the, the poison, if you will, that you've been ingesting for so long of everything that's not yours. And as you start to get clearer on that, and it can be a bit of a process, like you said, you know, this doesn't occur in a day or a night. But as you start to get clearer on that, your eyes will start to open. You'll start to find different aspects of different people attractive. And when you do that, you'll start to let in other things into your life and other possibilities for the way it could show up with different people than the ones you thought you had to be attracted to. And once again, this is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. I like this process of really seeing who your beliefs came from. And it almost always starts with your family of origin, even though people deny that. And if you can say, okay, this point of view came from here, this came from there. And what I find also is that people adapt different requirements that they think will give them something. So, for example, I had a client who said she only wanted a guy who owned his house. So I said, well, why is that? And she said, because if he owns his house, he's financially secure. And I said, well you think a guy can have an apartment and also be financially secure? This was based on an experience she once had that this guy who lived in an apartment had no money. So we tend to take, take those beliefs and they collapse into all men who have apartments don't have money. You know? So these are, these are our limiting beliefs. Um, and this could be about anything. It could be about an experience with men who are into pornography who... I recently heard this from a client. I will not date a man who ever watches porn. And I said, well, then you won't have any dates because (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) so we unpacked it. You know, what is it to you? What is the fear behind it? So for her, it was a sex addiction and somebody who couldn't perform because his idea of what sex was had to do with pornography. Now, that's a whole different experience than than a person who sometimes watches porn and what kind of porn, you know, so it's really yes. important to unpack these things. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, the, and it's interesting in the, un, in the unpacking, I love that way of describing it. It's like you start to get to what's actually true for you. And so for me, I mean, you know, the, the tool that I was suggesting of writing all this down and getting, start unpacking where it came from is, you know, it's one way and I'm sure there are probably thousands, you know, if not more, but that's the, the whole target of that is to actually get to what's true for you. Because I say again, mm-hmm. once you get to what's true for you, then you can actually create it. 
And if you're trying to live somebody else's life, you're never going to be successful at it. Right. And your partners will all be wrong for you, too, because you are not yes, true to you. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. But they might and, be and great for your that, mom or your Aunt Susie. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah, I found another one for Aunt Susie. <laughs> <laughs> can have your Aunt Susie collection. Um, yeah, and I think even the word truth is really important here. So another tool that I like to use is to ask yourself, is this true? And, and yeah. just for each belief to really ask yourself, it, it, is this true? And is it 100% true? So it's like the Byron Katie method of, of interrogating the truth because often we have these, these fixed beliefs that are really not true. They might have been true a little bit in some part of your life, but not all the time and not without a doubt, you know. So there's always, there's always evidence that will prove something that could be the opposite. And I think we, yeah. we have to really be honest with ourselves about that. Um, well, and I, I love yeah. that question, and, I, and two things, depending on the, the question you're asking it about, is, so is this true, and then also, is this true for me? Because it may mm-hmm. be true for somebody else, but if it's not true for right. you, that's never going to work. And then the other thing beyond that that some people might want to ask is, what if this weren't true? Then mm-hmm. what choices would I have available? As a way of starting to open yeah, up like choice. That. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you. When people are asked to like put it on its head, and and that can be scary for some people. You know, like uh, they've believed one thing their whole lives, and now you're asking them to see the possibility of it not being true for you. That's like, ooh, it's a little scary. But that's where the truth lies. So you got to get a little uncomfortable sometimes to find your truth. True story. And and that thing of there's a there's a huge difference between truth and what's true. You know, something that is true for you is true for you in this moment. When we go to make it an overriding truth, we then have to solidify it and defend against it being not true, which is I think and this is this is one of the difficulties in relationships and actually getting people to be able to create something that works for them is we have so many things that we have defined as truths, you know, like the guy in the apartment isn't financially secure or the guy that watches porn must have a sex addiction. And those are not universal truths. Those are an experience Mm -hmm. we had with one person. And now we're trying, we've made that into a truth. So now we're trying to avoid that at all costs rather than going, Oh, this guy lives in an apartment. Uh, but he drives a really nice BMW and he dresses well and, uh, oh, he, you know, and, and exploring it further, you know, we need to really be in the question rather than the conclusion. And, and if we would do that, you know, and if we would do that in our interactions with people, rather than concluding, oh, you said this, it means this, rather than doing that, we go to them and we go, okay, so you said this, what did you mean when you said that? Cause I don't understand And the way you do it, Mm -hmm. if you ever want to broach that with somebody, even if you feel really frustrated, angry, pissed off, upset, or whatever else, what you do is you go, you calm down, you push down your walls and barriers. You're like, okay, I will not not eviscerate them right now. You go, you know what? I'm really confused. Can you help me, please? What did you mean when you Mm -hmm. said this? And I'm going to say probably about 90% of the time, they will explain something to you that is totally different than the conclusion that you came to about what it was. But if you'll do that, that doesn't that does not get to add to the walls of judgment that most people build up 
over time and relationship. I love this. This is very simple. And again, it takes down the walls of judgment. And, and that's where we, most of us hang out in that person was such a jerk. They did this to me. And I'm like, did you find out what it was for them? Because it's often right. not exactly. what you thought. <laughs> um, so it's so like true. leaning into the conversation, you know, and, and it's something I tell women all the time. Like you find out. So, so today I was on with a client and she said, I saw a red flag. This guy was never married. So I said, why is that a red flag? And she said, well, this, this, and this. So the red flag wasn't that he was never married. The red flag was deeper. And it was, there were some red flags in there, but there can be people who are separated, who are, have been living apart for years, who are never married, but have had long-term relationships that they've lived with somebody for 18 years. They just never put marriage into It's what we're making up. So we have to lean into those questions. We have to find out what's true for the other person and stop making stuff up and yes. find out the truth. <laughs> yes, I um, absolutely. Yeah. So you talk a lot about authenticity. Um, so what, in your opinion, is authentic? Like what is accessing, especially for a man, um, what is authenticity? Well, for me, it's when you actually like the person looking back at you in the mirror and you don't have to try to pretend to be something you're not for any reason, you know, including based on a sense of insecurity or not being enough. And where you also have the intimacy with yourself, and I define intimacy differently than most people probably, um, where you have this intimacy with yourself where you know that you have your own back and you trust yourself you honor yourself, you're vulnerable with yourself, you don't judge yourself, and you have a sense of gratitude for you. Mm. So you're not pretending to be something you're not. You're intimate with yourself, you like yourself, you have your own back. You're not judging yourself all the time. And um, it's hard to find. (laughs) It's hard to find somebody who's that comfortable with themselves. Um, Do you think there are a lot of people out there who, who are in this place? Uh, no, I would say it's a very small portion of the population. And I, but I would also mm-hmm. say that, you know, that's part of why I wrote the book. And, you know, and the book isn't exclusive to men. It's not an exclusion of women. It's not, you know, masculine power kind of thing. Um, what it really is, is is a conversation that both men and women can take part in as a way of getting to this place where we start to know what's true for us and we start to actually have that authentic, awareness within ourselves so we can actually have authentic conversations and authentic relationships with others. Mm. Yeah, and I think that if one partner does this work and it comes in as that authentic person, um, they can influence someone else to rise up. Absolutely. And I, I really, I've, I've seen this so many times, um, you know, with, with this conversation um, about somebody getting in touch with what's true for them. And I've seen it change dynamically their relationships with their enjoyable other and also, you know, the other relationships in their life. And, you know, we, we, it, we tend to have a lot of times a point of view that our partner has to do what we're doing. Um, otherwise, they're not, you know, especially if we're into personal development of some form, you know, it's like, you have to do this, otherwise you're not going to come along with me. And I tell people, I'm like, wait, why 
why does your partner have to do it too? And like, if they're in allowance of you doing it, if they're not trying to stop you, if they're there supporting you and contributing to you and being the wind beneath your wings as you shine and expand and change, be grateful, stop being a judgmental cow and acting like they need to do what you do to have any value. You know, and I say this to both men and women. And it's interesting because it creates something in the world where they look from a different place and they go, oh my gosh, you're right. I've actually got this person Mm -hmm. who is, you know, they may not be on the same path that I'm on. They may not desire self-discovery the way I do. It may not be vital to them, but they're not getting in my way and they're there for me still, even as I'm changing. And if you have that, be grateful. Don't require your partner to do everything you do. Well, here, the, the operative word is they're supporting and contributing, and the, they're the wind beneath your wings, and that doesn't always happen. And I would say that in my experience, when I've seen one partner change, especially in a long-term relationship, often the other partner resists change. Um, they don't like that their partner is now standing up for themselves, acting differently, being more authentically themselves, and that can often be the end of a relationship. So I think yeah. the support and contribution, that's, that's really, really important, what you said. Well, let's, let's talk about two different aspects of that exact conversation that you just had, because I think it's, once again, we, we try to say one thing about what's going on as though, I mean, not you and I, but in the world, you know, people try to say one thing about what's going on as though this is the definition of it. But in this case, it's not that at all. So if you change and your partner is getting more and more frustrated with the fact that they can't control you and the fact that you're no longer just, you know, um, being the, the victim, the support, whatever it is that is the role that you played, that is probably a really good thing that you're changing. And that's not somebody you should be with because they're not going to create a greater future for you. You know, that's, and which I think is also the the thing that you're saying too, and then also those there's this side where where a lot of people most people get into relationship with their back door open, meaning they're looking for a reason to leave so they don't have to be as intimate, they don't have to be as close, they don't have to do self examination you know and become aware of what's true for them, and sometimes what happens is you know, you go into the relationship with that and then you start changing and you start becoming greater. And sometimes people are almost daring the person that they're with to leave. And we need to address that too, because in that case, you might actually be with somebody who could and would support you if you weren't trying to basically say you can leave now because I set it up this way at the beginning. Mm. Yeah, those are two very different things. And I, I agree. I see a lot of marriages and for the wrong reasons, I think. And some for the right reasons, but when you're when you're just looking for a reason and trying to find the reason to get out, you'll find them. Um, but it's yeah, it's 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 a complex a complex conversation. But I do think that as people change, and even like in in a relationship with mother and child, I can tell you for myself, I went through tremendous change at the end of my marriage, and my kids didn't like it at first because they were used to mom doing lots of favors for them during the day, and now I'm running my own business, and I'm not doing that for you anymore. And now that the rules have changed, here are the expectations. You're all going to contribute to the house. You're all going to do teamwork here. And eventually they got it. But 
they resisted. Like, who is this person? Who is this mother that we have now? Um, so that was <laughs> who is this? Change, who, right? Wait a minute. She's not just here to serve us and wait on us? What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> not my servant? <laughs> I know, really. The nerve. But it, 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 it ended up being a great role model for them, because I was modeling for them how they should treat themselves. Just like circling yes. back to the beginning of this conversation, by you showing up as this man, you are modeling for this young 23-year-old how to really be a man. And I think that we need more role models. We need to stay true to ourselves so that we can influence other people to rise up to be their best selves. I absolutely concur with that. So, and Dane, if we would, um, yes. Yeah. And I finished yes, what Andy. you were going to say. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, I mean, if, if we look at that, if we extrapolate that out into a future where where somehow, some way, let's say somebody comes along with a magic wand or you make a magic choice, whatever, to actually get to be everything you are and live as that, I mean, look at look at the impact that it has, you know, on your children, on your enjoyable other, on the people you're around in work, on your family. Like, look at the the greatness that starts to create in the world, the possibilities that it creates that other people don't currently have now, because you may be the only one with enough courage to actually look from a different place and and choose to go on that journey. And I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of times we value that in ourselves enough and value the gift that it can be to the people in our lives. And, you know, by a larger extent, with enough of us doing it, the world itself. Yes, I so agree. And I I love this conversation. I could talk to you for hours because there's so much juiciness here. Um, but unfortunately, we have to end. And I would love to hear one last word of advice that you can give our audience so they can go on their last first date. Well, for me, it really boils down to loving you. And these elements of intimacy that I went through really quickly, which is honoring you, which means to treat you with regard, trusting you, which means you know that in no matter what situation, you'll have your back, allowance of you, which is where you're not in judgment of you, and everything you choose is an interesting point of view, not a rightness, not a wrongness, the gratitude for you, where you actually get that you are a gift to yourself, and the vulnerability with you, which is where you can be there with no walls and no barriers and just show up warts and all and not have to make any apology for it and not have to shove anything down anybody's throat or make them believe a particular way. And if we do, and and further to that is actually to get out of judgment of us and everyone else and realize two things. Number one, you truly being you as your truly authentic self, if you embrace these elements of intimacy, what happens is you'll be more present than anybody else around. And if you couple that with when you meet a man that you want to be with, realize that one of the most seductive things in the world is when somebody sees us with no judgment. So rather than being that woman that has decided this man will be this and do this, just be with him and see what's true for him and also be what's true for you and see if they work together because most relationships, why they keep ending at the first date is because the man is not being authentic. 
the woman is not being authentic. They both have all of these projections and expectations of what they're supposed to accomplish. And they're not really there being them looking for what they're really looking for. And to the extent that we can have that intimacy with ourselves, those five elements of intimacy, and not judge somebody else, and also have some sense of what's true for us beyond all the stuff that we bought, we create this possibility for creating relationships that are greater than we ever thought were possible. Mm. That sounds pretty yummy. (laughs) Right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, and why do we do relationship if it's not yummy is my question. I know so many people, you know, the statistics are 90% of people would rather have a bad relationship than no relationship. And my point of Mm. view is, if it's not increasing, if it's not making my life greater, I don't need to have it, no matter whether it's a relationship or a pack of gum or a shirt or anything else, you know? Yeah, totally agree. I, I just did a video for my uh, Facebook Live for my group that was about sparking joy and the whole Marie Kondo craze of tidying up your life. So this was about tidying up your love life and how to really look at each aspect ask yourself if this person sparks joy, whether it's in your inbox on an online dating site or you're dating multiple people and you are just keeping them hanging around or you have old men who you've dated and they're just friends but they don't really spark joy and you feel an obligation. You know, it just can really make a huge difference in decluttering your emotional life and opening up the space for the right person to come in. Yes, I love that. I, I think it's and it's so vital because that, unfortunately, in the way most people create their relationships nowadays, that is the first thing to go is the joy, and mm-hmm. asking that question, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Hmm. Well, thank you, thank you so much for coming today, Dane. This has been an, a fantastic conversation, and um, if you can let people know how they can find you, how they can purchase your book, a couple of links, and I'll put them in my show notes yeah. as well. That would be great. Uh, first, uh, the most bang for the buck is my website, drdanehere.com. It's D-R-D-A-I-N-H-E-E-R.com. My name is spelled weird because I have weird parents, not my fault. Um, <laughs> and on there, I mean, I've, I've got over 300 YouTube videos that you can access from there too, or go to YouTube and search with you know all kinds of tools and resources available. And then returnofthegentleman.com or returnofthegentlemanbook.com for this particular book. Um, but if you go to my website, there, there are links for all that there. And there's, there's a lot of stuff where you can just dive in and see if any of this works for you and use some of the tools and see if it starts creating change. And if it does, then I look forward to meeting you in a class someday in person. Yay. All right. Well, thank you so much. And again, I'll put these in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on today, Dane, and for doing this amazing work in the world. Thank you, Sandy. It is an honor and a pleasure. And I also thank you for what you're doing for the people of this world. Lord, let's do something different and more fun. (laughs) (laughs) For joy. Thank you. Yes, more joy. More joy. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening today. And if you love our show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. That's Last First State Radio. I would be so grateful for that because it helps more people find us and get inspired by our fabulous guests. Um, So thank you all, and I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day.